0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Exodus. We're going to start there. We're going to move around just a little bit this morning. And uh, the title of this morning's message is No Memorial. And uh, a memorial is a good Bible word. We have Memorial Day because it is a day of remembrance. In fact, in the older days, it was called Remembrance Day. It was a day to remember those that had given their lives to keep our nation free. And uh, that is a good thing. We ought to honor the veterans, those that have served this nation. We ought to pray for them. We ought to pray for our president. We ought to pray for each one that gives direction And what we want to do this morning is we want to look at some instances, and and one of the sad things that has gone on so much is people love to pollute memorials. How many of you remember the big argument, and I don't know that it's over yet, over the memorial at what we now call Ground Zero? They were wanting to put an anti-slavery museum in there, and a Holocaust museum, and a And uh, they were wanting to actually make a museum to the injustices that America has committed through its history. Now, I'm going to be the first to say, and we've said this before, uh, America's not a perfect country. But uh, I'm really sick of people who spit on this flag and hate this country, and yet they want to come here and profit from it. Is it okay to say that in church? Well, it better be in this one. Amen? Because that is the truth. I get tired of that. God has given us a great deal of freedom, and I'm going to try not to say everything that I'd like to say on that subject because it would detract from the truth that we're trying to find from God's Word. But when you pollute a memorial... There's nothing left to remember. You're not remembering what was there. And the reason why we're starting in Exodus chapter three is when God introduces a new thought, when God teaches us something new, or brings something new into the Bible, He usually explains it. Uh, if if you, uh, one of the things that I want to encourage every person that comes to this church, I want you to become a student of the Word of God. That is not just for people who are going to Bible college. It is for every person who names the name of Jesus Christ. You ought to study this book called the Bible. You ought to know what is in it. You ought to be able to pick it up and read it and understand what you're reading. Can we say amen to that? Somebody said, but pastor, you'll never understand everything in the Bible. That's good. Because if you could, then the God who wrote it would be smaller than you are because you could understand him. Amen? You can't understand everything that's in the Bible and you never will. But don't use that as an excuse or allow that to be an excuse in your life not to study and earnestly search through the scriptures. Now, one of the laws of biblical understanding is the law first mentioned. When God introduces something, when he talks about it first, he explains it. And I think you'll see this here in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my what? Memorial, Memorial unto all Generations. It is interesting that when God uses that word memorial for the first time in your Bible, it is in connection with His name. Now, this morning's sermon is going to be a little different. It's going to be almost all introduction. And then we'll have the actual sermon for the last five minutes, application and altar call. All right? Uh, So... Listen closely, because if you don't listen now, when we get to the end, it won't make any sense to you, all right? But God uses this word memorial. He connects it to his name. He says, the memorial that I am giving to the children of Israel is my name. Now, a memorial in definition, in working definition has to be just a reflection or a way to remember what we are memorializing. We're going to put a memorial down at ground zero. There is absolutely no way we want to recreate the events of that day. But we should never forget that 19 men under the influence of the religion of peace, murdered 2,700 people in New York City, another hundred and so in Pennsylvania, and several more, uh, another hundred or over a hundred at the Pentagon. We need to remember that, or we'll forget, and we'll stop fighting the battle, and it will happen again. That's what a memorial does. It is there to remind us. And God is giving us a memorial. It's His name. He wants us to remember who He is. And it's unusual how God named Himself. He said, I am that I am. You say, but how does that describe God? Well, let's just put it in contrast. Stephen, stand up for a minute. Let me pick on you this morning, okay? Turn around so everybody can see you. You can straighten your tie out later, all right? Now, Stephen is my son. He is because his mother and I and his mom did all the work giving him birth. Amen? Amen? That's the reason Stephen is here. God says, I am that I am. You can sit down, Stephen. Do you see the difference? No human being can say, I am here because I decided to be here. No, you are here because two other human beings came together, and God gave conception and gestation and labor and delivery and birth, amen? Now, they really don't slap the babies to make them cry. They normally do that on their own, amen? But we illustrate the point. God is saying, listen, every one of you are here because you were born. I am here because I am here. You say, now, Pastor, that sounds almost like what the teacher did in philosophy class in college. No. What the teacher did in philosophy class says, you are here, but nobody really knows that you are here, and we're really not sure that you are here, and you can't prove that you are here. That's philosophy. God says, listen, I am here, and that's all that matters. God did not have a beginning. He does not have an end. Only God, the words we use, the best describe it in the English language is He is the eternally self existing one. The word eternal means without beginning, without end. Self existing means that no one brought God into being. And no one will take him out. He always is. I like to say it. I don't mind injuring the rules of grammar to do so. God was, is, 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 and always will be, is. God is always, present tense. He is never past, present, and future. Time does not matter to him He is outside of the realm of human thinking. He is greater than all of this, and He's given us a name that we can understand and begin to grasp just a little bit of His goodness. I am that I am. How could you describe the greatness of God? He created a universe 13 and a half billion light years across and stuck one little planet in one corner of it and put people on it. Only God could waste that much space and that much energy. You say, but pastor, they think there's life on other planets. Um, I found an old time radio station on the internet and every once in a while if I got doing book work or something like that I'll listen to some of those old shows they were elk hunting on Venus they forgot the surface temperature is 900 degrees Fahrenheit I mean they had all these crazy things that they're going to do man is going to rule space one of, one of them was really cool Uh, it was the Martians trying to derail our exploration of the moon because they wanted to be the only ones that controlled the moon. Do you know what we found when we got to the moon? Dust and rocks. You know what they're going to find if they ever put somebody on Mars? Dust and rocks. But... But there's signs that there was water once on Mars no there are no signs that there was ever water anywhere on Mars there are signs that there was liquid on Mars but there's much liquid in our universe Venus has sulfuric acid thunderstorms on a regular basis absolutely wonderful for human life amen Johnny was a chemist. Johnny is no more for what he thought was H2O was H2SO4. It's the only thing I remember from chemistry class. But listen. Man thinks they know all of these things and they try to deny the greatness of God. Yet everything they teach, every new scientific discovery... When I was in high school, which was not that awful long ago, the new thing was quantum mechanics. We can now basically figure out the general position of the electrons in the atoms. And I don't claim to study any of that stuff with great knowledge or understanding, but now they claim that there are nanoparticles that make up each one of the electrons. That inside an electron is an entire universe much similar to that of what the atom is inside regular matter. Now, if you took one of our great aircraft carriers uh, and were able to remove all of the space and just take the particles and combine it, into one mass. It would fit in the palm of your hand if you were able to hold up 100,000 metric tons, uh, which you're not. That's how much airspace is in the steel, is in those atoms. I'm glad it's there. How about you? But let me. I just want you to stretch your mind a little bit because they still can't explain what holds an atom together. Now, the book of Colossians tells us that. It's held together by His Word. Amen? It works because God wants it to work. It's held together because God is doing it. He's given us a name, a memorial, a way to remember Him. It's simply, I am that I am. Aren't you glad you don't have to explain God? I don't have to explain Him. In fact, I can't. And I'm not going to try. I'm just going to tell you what I can tell you about Him. That He has no beginning. He has no end. He he is infinite. He fills the entire universe. Yet the Bible tells us in the person of the Holy Spirit he can live in the soul of any human being who will come and believe on him. Amen? How could anybody but God do that? He knows the number of hairs that are on your head or were on your head, as the case may be, or will never be on your head. God knows all of those things. Don't worry about it. Serve God. Amen. Now, let me just go through history here so we get the context of where we're going. God gave the children of Israel the land of Canaan. In our Sunday school time, we just crossed over the Jordan River and went to the city of Jericho. The, the land was uh, taken by the children of Israel. They lived there 400 years and Solomon built a temple. That was about 970 AD, and B.C., uh, about 606, depending on whose calendar you use, a man named Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Seventy years the children of Israel were held captives in a foreign land. The entire nation was deported. Let's go to the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, God sent the children of Israel, a small group back, and they began to rebuild the temple. Now we're just going to read verses 1 through 4 of the book of Ezra. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers, and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days Esarhaddon king of Asher, which brought us up thither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as, the king, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Now, as we read these words, we say, why couldn't they come to some agreement with them? Why couldn't they work? Well, let's go to the book of Kings, and this is what I mean by comparing Scripture with Scripture. You've got to go to Second Kings chapter 17, and this will describe to you and explain why Zerubbabel gave the answer that he did. Now, the ten tribes of northern Israel were carried away actually almost a hundred years before the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The King of Assyria came in, and he brought other people to live there. He took most of the inhabitants out. And you've heard of the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel? No, they're not the American Indians, as the Mormons say they are. And uh, uh, does anybody remember Herbert W. Armstrong? He used to pick up the phone and say, "Hello, God." Of course. He wasn't talking to the God of the Bible at all. He was talking to one he had manufactured. and He said the ten lost tribes were the Anglo-Saxon people, which is just as ludicrous as them being the Indians. Uh, You say, where are they today? Where are the ten lost tribes? Uh, There are Jewish people living in every nation under the sun. That's where the ten lost tribes are. And many of them were lost completely as they were absorbed into other people groups and just simply disappeared. But there is a large Jewish contingency. You go to almost any nation on the face of this earth and find Jewish people living there. If you want to know where the ten lost tribes are, just start looking. That's where you're going to find them. But here's what happened is in in 2 Kings chapter 17... And verse 24, it says, And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kuta and from Ava and from Hamath and from uh, whatever the name of that place is that I didn't look up and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was beginning of at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the god of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the god of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach the manner of the God of the land. And one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Now here's the important part. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in their cities wherewith they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Succoth-Benoth, and the men of Cuth made Negro, and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites, Nibhaz, and Tartak and the Sepharvites Sefer, burnt their children in the fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepravim. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed in the houses of the high places. Verse thirty-three they feared the Lord and served their own gods. Go down to verse forty I mean thirty-nine. But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hands of all your enemies, howbeit they did not hearken, but they did after their former manner. <coughs> so these nations serve their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so do they unto this day. Now, These were the people that had been living there for close to 200 years at this time. They served God on the surface. And they had their own gods that they really worshipped in their hearts and with their lives. You say, why did God put up with that? Uh, You'll have to ask him, but I'll ask you a question. Why does God put up with us today? It's because he gives us an opportunity to repent. Amen? An opportunity. He gives us life to choose whether we will turn to God or not. The descendants of these people came to Zerubbabel, and they said, You're rebuilding the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. We've worshipped your God. We, We want to join with you. Zerubbabel said, No, wait a minute. Your worship is corrupt. You see, you can't serve the God of the Bible on Saturday or on the Sabbath day, and then serve your own God on the rest of the days of the week. Therefore, you cannot help us build the temple. Because you will pollute the memorial of God's name. Now, let's go to the book of Nehemiah. And this is 75 to 100 years later, Nehemiah comes to rebuild the city walls. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, he's going to run into another group of people, another group of enemies. And verse 20, Nehemiah says, Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will rise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. Now that would solve an awful lot of problems if they just followed that rule today. But the simple truth of the matter is, as these people who worship their false gods came up, Nehemiah said, listen, you have no right, you have no place, we're not going to make a remembrance of you and what you've done for the last Uh, several hundred years in this land and the last 150 years in the city of Jerusalem because what you have done is not according to the words of the scriptures that God has given us. And, of course, they at that time only had the Old Testament. And they rebuilt the temple and began to reinstate the temple worship. And now they rebuilt the city walls. And they said, we are going to follow the God of the Bible. That's what the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are about. God had destroyed his memorial in Jerusalem because of the sin of God's people, yet He gave them a chance to rebuild. You say, why does God let awful things happen, and why does God let people get away with sin? It's because there are a few who will turn from their sin and rebuild the memorial to the name of the God of this book called the Bible. Amen? God has given us a few memorials in the New Testament. The word memorial means a remembrance. I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to try to explain a few things. One of the great memorials God has given us is what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, People have come up with all kinds of names for it. They want to call it Holy Communion. They want to uh, call it the Eucharist. Uh, We never call it the Eucharist here because there's no mystery Uh, There's no grace-giving value in the Lord's Supper. It is a remembrance or a a memorial of what Jesus Christ has done. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. Actually, just start in 23. For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do, what's what's it say? In remembrance of me. Not in a recreation of the work that I do, but in remembrance of me. Verse 25, he repeats it. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. Say those next three words. In remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a memorial for the New Testament Christian. It is the remembrance of the three greatest words in history. In Hebrew, it's one word. In English, it's three. Let's say them together. It is finished. If it is finished, what is there left for you to do? But as many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's all you have to do to get saved. Amen? The Lord's Supper is not your salvation. It's a memorial. It's a remembrance. It reminds us that Jesus suffered one time for all time on the cross. Read the book of Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. It reminds us that his blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven one time for all sin forever. It is a remembrance. When we try to make that a recreation or the re-crucifixion of Jesus, you say, what churches believe that? The Anglican church believes that. The Roman Catholic Church believes that, and all of the various branches of the Orthodox Church believe that they recreate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ every time that they uh, have this ceremony. That's why we reject that doctrine. Because Jesus did not have to die often. Read Hebrews chapter 9. He died once. He's given us a memorial to remember that the work of God in salvation is finished. All we have to do is believe. Amen? It's a remembrance. Now, we don't try to be ridiculous about this. We want to be just as Bible as we can. The Lord's Supper is for people who are members of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. In order to be a member, you have to be scripturally saved. You have to be scripturally baptized. And this goes without saying, but today we have to say so many things that shouldn't need to be said. If you're saved and you're baptized, you ought to want to serve God through His church. Amen? And together we come and we have a memorial service to remind ourselves what God has done so that we can be saved. Can we say amen to that? That is what God has given us. Now, I want us to look at something, and this will be the most difficult part of the sermon to grab, and if you get this... You won't have any problems with the rest of it. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want us to understand that as Gentiles, as non-Jewish peoples, we have no real claim to the God of Abraham except through the memorial, the work of of Jesus Christ that is what gives us a claim to the god of this bible it is the same god in the old testament is in the new god is making himself plain or manifest to us he gave us the memorial of his name in the old testament he's given us the memorial of his work for the salvation of men in the New Testament. There are other memorials that we could talk about, but those are the only two that we have time to address this morning. And verse 10 of 2nd Peter, I mean First Peter chapter 2, verse 10, he gives us just a little look at this. Let's, let's go down to verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, Peter is writing to those which are saved, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, as stained from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, here's why God has given us this memorial. There's a connection. He's taken us who were not His people. Now, as I look out over our crowd today, I don't think we have any. Uh, believers here today uh, that are of Jewish heritage. Maybe we have one, I I don't know. Uh, We have several that are normally here, but uh, are out this weekend because of the holidays. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. But there was a big difference. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to be saved, you had to become part of corporate Israel because that's what the law of God demanded you had to leave the world and become part of Israel. Now today, you still must leave the world if you're going to serve God. Amen? You cannot live in the world and serve God. Here is the picture that Paul paints for us in in, uh, Romans chapter 11. Let's start in verse 17. And it says, And if some of the branches were broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them with them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not thyself against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then, The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Now, Paul is painting a picture here. He paints a picture of Israel being an olive tree. said the branches of the natural tree were broken off because of unbelief. People say, well, God's rejected the Jew and now it's the Christian that God loves. No, God has rejected only those people who refuse to believe in his word. And God will reclaim his people Israel. You cannot under any circumstance, find a reason for anti-Semitism in this book called the Bible. You cannot. Jesus, humanly speaking, is a Jewish man. You cannot despise the Jew and not despise God because he picked them. There's a lot of false teaching. That one's... Statement will solve. I remember reading in a World Book Encyclopedia that Nazism was a shoot of Protestantism that was written by a Catholic. Nazism has nothing to do with the mainstream religions, it wasn't in and of itself its own religion with a man named Hitler who ought to have been on psychiatric meds as it's God. If they could have only given him Prozac, we wouldn't have had World War II. He'd have just sat in a little room and felt happy about things. But they just didn't have that back then. And by the way, you can't stop evil with drugs. People will do evil. But when... The Jewish people held to their traditions and refused to accept Jesus Christ. God had no choice but to cut those branches off of the tree. We as Gentiles are grafted in to the religion of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. This is how we have a right to the memorial of this book called the Bible. Can we say amen to that? But I want to tell you something. That just as in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, as they rebuilt the temple and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, there was a desire to pollute the memorial. Nehemiah said, you have no right, you have no place, you have no memorial in Jerusalem. Because your religion in your belief in God does not match what this book teaches. I want to stand up today and just simply remind us that unless you're willing to believe in Jesus Christ as the Bible teaches Him, you have no right, you have no place, and you have no memorial in this book called the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a religion. There are hundreds of them out there. But if you want the connection to the memorial of God's name, I am that I am, you must believe in Jesus Christ. He that hath the Father hath the Son. There's a group of churches, they call themselves the Jesus-only people. They don't believe in God the Father. They don't believe in God the Holy Spirit. You know what this book called the Bible says about them? They don't believe in God the Son either. Because if you believe in Him, you have to have the other two. That's part of the memorial of the I am that I am. If you believe in any other method of salvation, I want to tell you today, you have no part in the memorial. This is one of the reasons why, when uh, maybe some of you have seen this uh, The harvest, does that mean anything to anybody? Have you seen the Greg Laurie uh, billboards? They're starting to put up all over Manhattan. Uh, He's renting Madison Square Garden for some time here this summer. He's going to have a great revival meeting. Well, the problem is it's going to be an ecumenical meeting. By that means we bring in all the religions together so we can serve God. That is a pollution of the memorial you can't believe wrong about God and right about God at the same time. Now, if you go to philosophy class, you can learn how to play tricks with your mind and pretend. But that's still not true. Amen? Does anybody remember Immanuel Kant, the great thinker? He tried to separate the difference between cause and effect. And I like one preacher's illustration. According to Kant, if I hit you in the nose and it bleeds, the blood on your face is not necessarily because my fist impacted your nose. Only a lawyer could say that. I hope we don't have any lawyers here today. Or any dishonest lawyers, I'll say that. If you're a dishonest lawyer, you can get that fixed. Amen? Get saved. But how can you honestly say something like that unless you're just trying to play games with the truth? Could I say something today as an American? They are polluting the memorial of this nation. Freedom was never intended to be freedom to print pornography or to murder babies or to institute sodomite marriage. So what they're going to do is they're going to pass a law that makes those things illegal to speak against them. Therefore, that makes them right, correct? No, it just pollutes the memorial. That's not what George Washington camped out at Valley Forge for. I promise you that. He was a man who believed in God and believed in this book. By the way, there's a picture of George Washington being baptized by John Gano, who was a Baptist preacher. Now, Baptists don't baptize people who are not saved. Amen? And so I look forward, by the testimony of that, to to see our first president in heaven someday. He was a partaker of that memorial. Now let me be very plain. I am not here to curse sin in the lives of sinners. That's why they're called sinners. They are destroying themselves. As a partaker of the memorial of this book called the Bible, believing in the eternally self existent God who completed all that needs to be done for my salvation, it is my job to take that message to the world in which I live in spite of their sin and self-destructive behavior. Amen? Now what happened when Nehemiah said, listen, you can't help us build the city of Jerusalem, because you don't believe in our God. They fought against him, didn't they? People will fight you when you tell them the truth. Or they'll accept the truth. Then, if you were here for Sunday school, they don't join your side They join his side. Sinners sin. But here's what we must do. As God's people, if we pollute the memorial, then people believe in a corrupt God and a corrupt religion. And we substitute self-reformation for salvation. And people go to hell thinking that they deserve heaven because they believe in a corrupt memorial. Do we got all that? Are we together yet? Amen? Got awful quiet in here. The Bible tells us The judgment must begin where? At the house of God, right here. If we as Christians do not curse sin in our own lives and come to God and get ourselves right with God, we pollute the memorial of a holy God. Does that mean a Christian has to be sinlessly perfect? I wish it did, but it doesn't. But it means that we must examine ourselves and make sure that our heart is right with God. Say, how often should you do that? Uh, How often do you sin? I knew you were going to say that. We have to come to God daily. We have to pick up our cross daily. We have to die to self daily. We should pray, not daily, without ceasing, amen? I was going to trick you there. But without ceasing means every day. Listen, memorial is a wonderful thing. I'm glad that we can remember those who died for the cause of freedom. If you have an opportunity, you ought to visit Trinity Churchyard in downtown Manhattan, right at Broadway and Wall Street. There's a memorial there to the Americans who were not called Americans at that time. They were still considered British subjects who gave their lives in New York Harbor in the prison hawks for the cause of freedom. You ought to read that story. It'll make you want to fight the revolution all over again. They took men that they had captured, mostly here in the battle for New York City, which we lost, by the way. They took ships that were no longer seaworthy. They cut off the mast, they nailed all of, sealed all of the portholes, and they anchored them out in the harbor in the hot sun. Then they stuffed the halls of those ships full of men and let them rot, die of disease, and all of the other deprivations that could be imagined. Every morning, the guard would open up the port and say, throw out the dead. Every morning, they were given a chance. If you'll put on a British uniform, you can get out of here. The history I read said that some of the men could not stand the privation, and they would put on a British uniform just to defect and to uh, get out of the prison hulk, and then they would run to the American lines at their first opportunity and rejoin the rebel forces. It said, but The majority of the men had too much character to stoop to lying and would rather die than violate the cause of freedom. I like memorials like that. That makes me want to be an American. Amen. The memorial of our salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you're trusting in anything you've done, you violate, you corrupt that memorial. There's a lot people say, well, you you think Baptists are the only ones that are saved. I have never, ever said that. I will argue with that with you because I've said from this pulpit and do so right now that there's a lot of Baptists that aren't going to heaven. Only those people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior are going to heaven. But if you're saved, would you live the memorial? Say, how do I do that? Well, that's where the church comes in. Amen. You get baptized in Jesus' name and you serve God through his local church. We don't need anything bigger than a church. You say, but your church can't reach the whole world. No, but we can reach into an awful lot of places from a little church like this. Amen? You come to prayer meeting tonight and we'll give you a list of all the missionaries we support. That's how we reach out. Amen? Amen? Listen, you do not promote truth by compromise with error. All you do is corrupt the memorial. That's why when Billy Graham came to town, we had no part of that thing. He's corrupted the memorial by bringing in all the false religions and all the false teachers of false truth. That's why we don't involve ourselves in Christian rock and roll music. It corrupts the memorial. We don't go to the bar rooms and the brothels of this world to get music, bring it in and put Jesus' name on it, just so people will like it and listen. It corrupts the memorial. We're not here to have a club and get as many people pressed in the doors as we can possibly get in. We want people who are here because they want to believe in Jesus Christ and believe the words of this book. We want to keep the testimony pure. We don't want to erect a memorial to a God that doesn't exist. There's many, many false memorials in the world. I challenge you. What is your life about today? What is your memorial? Don't curse the sinners for sinning. But you'd better look in your life and ask God to help you get clean so you can live for Him and take His memorial to the world in which we live. Amen? If you're here today and you're not saved, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be argumentative. I would not, and I don't want to drive you away from this church, but I want you to understand your situation. You have no connection to what's in this book until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then He puts you in where you don't belong. We are a people who have not attained mercy, but now have through Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, we ask. We ask, number one, that those that are here today, that do not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, we would not want them to make a decision for any other reason than the eternally self-existent God has paid the price for their sins. Lord, we ask that you would work in hearts and lives and help them to understand their need to trust Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray for those that are saved today that we would take time to make sure that we are not corrupting the memorial of our Savior. Lord, we take a moment, we pray for our nation as it is corrupting the memorial of truth and freedom that this nation once stood for. We pray that you would keep us faithful to the truth in spite of what's going on around us. Lord, we ask you to do your work, that we may take the memorial of the risen Savior to the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.